Hello, welcome to Haunted Picture Palace. My name is Amelia. This is... Ben, I thought you were leaving some dramatic pauses, but you didn't this Well, time. that was an exceptionally dramatic pause. Thank that you. Was, Everyone wasn't it? was gripped yeah. waiting for your name. <laughs> Today we are looking at Ginger Snaps from the year 2000. Is this the most year 2000 film we could possibly find? <laughs> I think it's up there, isn't I it? I think yes. it could be. It's a classic of mine. It's not a classic of Ben's. We will be discussing that at length, no doubt. Oh, yes, absolutely. But it's definitely one from my own teenhood and one that was talked about a lot during my teens. I can understand that. I feel like both of the women in this film, the titular... Well, both of the children <laughs> depicted in yes. this film... Yes, well, yeah, we'll come <laughs> on to that, absolutely. But uh, the, the two leads, I think. The two leads could very much have gone to school with me had I gone to school in Canada, right? Oh, As Lord. in, they would have been people I knew, they would have been people who were slightly older than me and hung around the photography department at my college. <laughs> so... Let's crack on, shall we? The colour palette, I noticed, looks like it's filmed in 1988. UK, right. 1988. It really looks like a This Is England bit in those opening scenes mm-hmm. of this film. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, it's really odd. It's sort of the aesthetic that everything is filmed in now. <laughs> um, with that strange kind of grey-blue filter. Yeah. You know the one? Yeah, I do know the one. Uh, yeah, no, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Yeah, and way ahead of its time. Yeah, well, these things come come around again, don't they? I suppose yes. in, in a lot of ways it is wearing its 21 years as we're recording. Yeah. Quite likely. Um, Absolutely. Content, content warning. warning. Before we begin. I nearly cracked on without a content warning. This one has some fairly serious gore. It has some real blood nasties. It has a lot of puppetry that's quite gnarly, dude. Yep. A fair amount of... Uh, sort of matter of fact suicide discussion a lot and a lot of suicide ish imagery so yeah yeah be aware if you're going to watch this just be aware (laughs) (laughs) be very aware (laughs) Uh, theme theme (laughs) what made me think of putting a content warning on is because of course we open on the death of a dog goodness you're dead right yeah. I should have mentioned there was animal death but that's cool that's cool that's cool yeah absolutely but yes I mean if you're still listening now and you weren't put off by the other things there's also some dogs die yeah if you thought we were exaggerating as well you will get five minutes into the film and see a child playing with a severed dog paw so yeah. like <laughs> in the sandpit I really 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 love now we're already at this moment where Ben and I disagree on this film being funny. <laughs> yeah. Or darkly funny or darkly humorous because even though you can see it, I know you can see it. Yeah, I can see, yeah, it's I suppose it's different. It's the difference between seeing something is like meant as a joke seeing something as being humorous and yeah. you know in tone and actually finding it in any way funny if that makes sense it's, i understand that fully yes and i feel like the same people this is a bold statement but i feel like there's a strong venn diagram with people that like ginger snaps and people that like ghost world oh and the two cross over really beautifully oh that's interesting because i like ghost world i want to be on record as saying that it's not that i don't like this i just find it unpleasant and upsetting. But I think it's a good film, and I think it's very well done. But yeah. So rush on out and buy it, kids. <laughs> um, but the thing that I find darkly, f- not 
not even funny. I just kind of get it. It's a goth in a corner going <laughs> to themselves. <laughs> that exact noise is how I view that opening sequence because it opens like a horror film. It has every mm. trope. It has foreboding signal, you know, foreboding signs. It's a dead dog. It has the signs of a werewolf film from the off in that, in that sure. the wolf destroys the dog, which is a very tarot symbology, right, from the moon card. Mm-hmm. One is exactly the same as the other, but one's domesticated, all this thing. Yeah. And then we go out and immediately it's like Canada, you know, because there's a woman <laughs> clutching her baby, screaming, it's got our dog, it got Baxter, which one implies they know there's an animal on the loose. Two it's killed a dog with a name like this was a loved family pet yeah three everyone's so used to it that the kids carry on playing hockey in the street like yeah. that's amazing like no one even turns around and one kid is even like playing aggressively with his dog in front of her yeah like <laughs> that's what i mean about the gothic like <laughs> i get it this is picked up i suppose actually in the, the i think the next scene or very very quickly after when we're introduced to the our sibling protagonists Yes. Where one says, uh, uh, Baxter's fertilizer. Yeah. <laughs> <Which is>, uh, <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess it's funny. Um, Cause it's, uh, yeah, but it's okay. that, it's that attitude you're talking about, right? Yeah. That sort of teenage goth. Yeah. Like, just, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> guess this is life now. Yeah. The two girls we are introduced to, are Emily Perkins and Catherine Isabel. Indeed. AKA Bridget and Ginger. Or Ginger Ann. They're perfect and I love them. The end. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Yeah. Right. yeah, brilliant. That's an easy editing job. Real theme. But I will say, Bridget comes in and says, you know, Baxter's fertiliser. But the first shots we see of Ginger are her titting about with a carving knife. Oh, yes. Um, all over her wrists. And deciding, and I quote, wrists are for girls, I'm slitting my throat. It's the most angsty teen thoughts ever. In the, in this next section, I feel like it hits on something that's not inherently like teenage girl, which was a really easy way to go with this. You'll notice a huge theme of menstruation throughout this thing. Sure. Right? And we'll talk about get you know, we'll talk about it a lot more in a bit. Plus Risa for Girls, I'm not gonna do that, is our first sort of rejection of human femininity, if you'd like. As, as they're being presented it, but let's be real, they're having it presented to them by Pam. So yeah. far. And yeah. Pam is a nightmare vision of a mother. We'll talk about her later. She's one of my favourite horror characters of all time. In my opinion, she's the baddie. <laughs> but we'll talk about it. Anyway, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. it is that, that rejection of what makes you female in society, in their society, yeah. in sort of small town Canadian Abootness. Yeah, you're, and um, you're absolutely right to put those caveats in, but this is the world. It's a very claustrophobic world in a lot of ways, you know. It's not oh, a big, yeah. um, we don't go far. It's, it's, it's a fairly small town. Yep. That they're yeah. In. in fact, surprisingly, considering how many tropes it ticks, it never ticks the idea that this could spread outside of the town. They don't have yeah. this moment of like, it could be anywhere. They're just like, no, it's definitely us, which is super teenage selfish. It's the yeah. proper self-centered film and again i feel like that could be why you don't like it so much because you're you like expanse as well yeah we've covered these films before there's been this aspect of it is a wider threat yeah that appeals more to you than look at these people living living their very important lives lives. yes and there is a thing i'll flag this up when we get to it but there is a plot point that bothers me for exactly that sort of reason yeah got you i think i know which it is but we'll we'll get (laughs) it 
the yes but i wanted to cover the most angsty teenage thought ever and it comes from bridget or b you'll hear us refer to her as b yeah b for bridget what if people just laugh when I kill myself? Like, oh, how insecure yeah. do you have to be to be worried about what people will think when you're dead? It's because you're not taking suicide seriously. Neither of them really want to die, and it's proved again and again and again and again throughout the film that it's this literal poser thing, you right. know? But they're posing to each other. It's kind of endless posturing. They are doing the stereotypical competitive womaning, but... Yeah. Yeah. On a very tiny scale yeah. and just between those two in their direct idea of what womaning is. So fascinating stuff. And then cue death montage. Yeah, I think this is the first time as well that because the film does this a few times where it will pull the rug out from under you, where yes. it will present you with a sequence of events and then will sort of cheekily wave at you and yeah. go like, not that, that's not what's <laughs> happened, you know. Yeah. But yeah, we get the the, the really nice, actually, really, really beautifully done yeah. photographs of their suicides. Playing out suicide attempts. And I I love it beyond all reason. And it did definitely influence a digital photography course that I took in college and a traditional photography course that I took in college. So like oh. it, it properly shaped a big part of my teen life. No, I did not depict myself in suicidal positions, but certainly the whole aesthetic was properly iconic. And when you look at my photos from that time they are 100% of the year 2000 despite being made a lot later than that <laughs> yeah. well actually one of the things I did look up was because somebody who did spend a lot of their youth doing that mm. uh, is Amanda Palmer uh, she had a, a, yes. a series of photographs of, but I, I did look up could she have seen uh, she certainly could have seen the film but she was doing that before right. <laughs> uh, before this uh, film uh, yes. came out but yes yeah, she released a book a few years ago but the photographs were from her youth of staged death shots. Wow. I mean, it makes me think of Cindy Sherman. She did a lot of self-portraits of untitled film stills that are really similar, obviously way before, but they're fascinating and worth your time having a look. Cindy with a C. Watching it as an adult now, this watch around was the first time that I actually got sad that these children had become so sad, which I wasn't expecting to feel particularly when you look at their eyes, they're played so beautifully mm. that particularly Bridget is like a tragic character. Truly tragic. She's a sad child. Yeah. Who is repeatedly throughout this film used as another adult in the house. She's used as the mature one. She's used as the one that has to take on all the problems. She's even the one that takes over when stuff hits the fan. Yeah, she's just deeply depressed and super, super clever and super capable. Yeah. Yeah, but I, kind I'd go along with we'll that. And, and likeable as well. I love her. She's so miserable yeah, and but, gets so good. But Ginger is a little bit uh, spikier all the way through. Ginger I, is yeah. harder to... Not harder to like, but... Deliberately. Deliberate, she's yes, more, exactly. Um, she's more volatile and she's more abrasive deliberately. Yeah. But that's not Bridget's coping mechanism. Yeah. You know, Bridget's is head down don't look at me she dresses as dowdily as humanly possible mm-hmm. she's properly being 15 14 15 yeah there's a place for these people now and it's tiktok <laughs> just putting it out there they will not be rejected in the way that they are in that school initially on tiktok but then hey audacity they are showing those slides it's oh. such an excellent reveal that they are showing those slides yeah, to their class. Class project. Their classmates do seem to sort of genuinely 
like their work. <laughs> well, they're enjoying it. I think they know it's inappropriate. So, of yeah, course, yeah. you always applaud inappropriate stuff of when course. you're that age. But also, like, I think one of them is just actually makes the something along the lines of a comment of, I'm glad they're dead. You know, it's like a kind of <laughs> sick. It's also sick. But also, someone has to mention Ginger's boobs. Yeah. Because you can't just enjoy it as art. And for the novelty of it, it has to be like, oh, also, one of them has a rack. But I love the audacity of it. I love the teacher's response. And I love that Bridget has a bone pen that I would happily have used as a child. I had a syringe pen that I used throughout oh, school yeah. with blood in it. Yeah. Yeah, I know the ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah my, sis- my, my sister is a nurse she's a qualified practicing oh, yeah. nurse so all through her university career <laughs> kept her supplied with syringe pens bone pens uh, there were some um like rubbers that were shaped like pills you know oh, like, nice. like medical pills yeah you know medical um stationery <laughs> can't beat it i don't know about you mm-hmm. you were a teenage boy i was do you find the sleaze bags in any way convincing in this film more than usual, because Ooh. it, and I think it's because this is an 18 in most of the world, apart from, according to the MDB, apart from France, where it's a 12, <laughs> in most of the world, it's an 18. Um, wow. And th- I, I see why it's an 18. Yeah. I mean, a lot of discussion of suicide, which is usually something that Wants pushes it, it into a higher mm. uh, bracket. But it does mean that they can swear a lot more than they do in a lot of yes. teen films. If you're going for, you know, a 12 ale or a 15, you know, 15, you can have a few F-bombs in them. Uh, you can't have it wall to wall. And I feel like they are a little bit nastier, a little bit ruder, a little bit meaner than they would be in a sort of teen Got film. You. That's interesting. Yes. I guess it depends what you compare it to. But if you put, I've said, you know, set up here like a high school movie, but but just incredibly bleak. And, um, <laughs> you know, if you compare it to something like 10 Things I Hate About You, <laughs> for instance. Yeah. You know, or something of that kind of tone and thing. It's then, got all those characters. Then, yeah, then they're a little bit closer to life than um, mm. than than that. But I do take your point that they feel a little bit anemic. That's an interesting choice, actually, given yeah. all the blood. <laughs> Yeah, I think they get better as the film goes on. I feel like when we're first introduced to that major sleaze. Jason? Jason. When we're introduced to Jason, he's a bit half at it. Yeah, Jason's a very poorly sketched character. Yes. Just generally. Just Which is Jason. nice, in a weird way. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice in a weird way, because this is a horror film where the female protagonists are given a very full and rich backstory, including parents, including their relationship, including their physical condition. And the boys are like, is boy, is bad. (laughs) (laughs) Which is unusual, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Not to get too on any kind of horse, but yeah, definitely there. So now we're smoking through PE, uh, (laughs) which is cool. Smoking through phys ed. I've definitely done the planning other people's death things, but I was an only child. So it was just, (laughs) just me in my head, never acting on it. They do take it much further than I would have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good. <laughs> also, I noticed that the Fitzgerald sisters, our protagonists, are dressed in black, and everybody else yeah. in this scene on the on the hockey field is not. Uh, this <laughs> so. is why I compare them to Ghost World. They feel really like graphic novel right. characters throughout yeah. the whole thing, like they're living in their own realm, almost to the point of something like Dolls, the um, the old manga series, or 
even fruits basket where you have like these very clear cut these are clearly a particular type of student in school okay they have a really specific worldview and the things kind of revolve around them chapter to chapter you know like okay i'm not i don't i'm not familiar with no, these works sorry. that you cite. no no but okay so the pe teacher the one in Carrie, right? We see a PE teacher in Carrie, if anyone's seen that. The old one, the original, please. Not, not. <laughs> I forgot they remade it. Was it Julianne Moore? Maybe. Oh, she used to be good. Anyway. Chloe, Chloe Grace Moritz, I yes, think, might definitely. be. Yes, definitely. She's the. Might be she's Carrie. Carrie. But yes, not that one. No, not that one, the good one. Um, <laughs> the PE teacher is like really deeply sympathetic of Carrie. She really wants the bullying to stop, etc., etc. This teacher has witnessed some of the worst catcalling. Yeah. And been around for some of that and doesn't step in even once. I think she only steps in when it looks like it's going to get violent between the girls. Yeah. But those boys are like shouting across that they want the girls to bounce while yes. they run and all that stuff. It's very strained. Nothing. Even when the girls come to blows, she's just very wearily like, all right, break it up. Enough of this. Yes. Yeah, like, do, do, do. <laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah. The Beast of Bailey Down is what they've called the oh, thing that they yes. think is killing all the dogs. And I really like that. There we are. We are in Bailey Down of Canada. Yep. There's a lot of toxic misogyny internalised in these very young women that's quite interesting. They are almost doing the job of the usual male character in these films just by being teenagers that are raised in an in an extremely dodgy household again we've still not met pam nope. but their whole view of men is that they are sort of useless providers right they are useless to speak to they have very limited purposes but women the, their views of women are very much clearly with love from mother pan <laughs> and one of the things they say is something along the lines of like she dresses that way to get attention yeah she's probably just enough just a slut especially ginger saying that whole bit about women are just sluts or whores or you know yes. <laughs> goes through all the delicious things she's picked up from nowhere having never had sex this is all the mm. chat of virgins as well yeah and with the also with the caveat this doesn't apply to the relationship to each other no. and we see this on the hockey field they're concerned for one another and their camaraderie i suppose yeah, you know, which seems to transcend their their gender and tra transcend yeah. femininity. It's it's, it's it's you and me against the world. Absolutely, kid. but it's also you and me against Christianity. Um, yeah, it's sure. not really mentioned, other than the fact that they consistently reference the Big Buddha oh, as yeah. the person they're going to go and meet when they finally <laughs> kick the bucket. But the Big Buddha which is, is kind of not theologically sound, by the way. That's <laughs> no, not even a little bit. But so so teenage, so young. So just a feeble attempt at being outside of the norm in a very small place yeah. where no one cares. No <laughs> one cares that all the dogs are dying. They're not going to care that you're having thoughts. No, and the church is, does not figure in this. No. Organised religion does not figure in this film, in this world at no, all. No, not even a little bit, but I think it shows that level of pathetic. <laughs> I think that's what I mean, like mm -hmm. of pathetic rebellion right? that they start with. There is a slight altercation between our main female bully and the Fitzgerald sisters. You'll need that later. Hold on to that. And then we meet Pam. <laughs> so I've put Ginger and Bee's mother is one of the most frightening things in this film, in big letters. It's a great performance, isn't it? Great well? performance by Mimi Rogers, who has one of those faces. She really looks like you could have 
put her in Donnie Darko as one of the people that are enraged that the beauty pageant is going on quite quite easily. There's almost a Tim Burton cast oh, yeah. thing about her. Yeah, you know, I where, can see that. Yeah. But she is consistently with terrifying scrunchie, usually gardening gloves or something equally like symbolic of thick domesticity. The American dream white picket fence horror thing that she's living sure. out in a lot of original horror films, like the thi- the blob, uh, the fog, where you have like these teenagers having problems or like making out in a car before they leave. They mm-hmm. say goodbye to this type of archetypal Hollywood mother. Sure. Would you agree? I can see that. Yeah. And especially also given that we've only just met her now, but she's obviously presiding over this household where these two have grown up like this as much as they have right which is worrying in some ways (laughs) (laughs) suggestive suggestive of her character you know when we put it together with what we see here at the dinner table yeah and they have such a good sisterly relationship ginger and bridget i think like their snarky things and the like don't laugh they're constantly being a little bit nipped at by their mum yeah who tries to have the menstruation chat give the menstruation speech at dinner and for the dad to be like we're eating it's yeah. so it's all so repressed and so dark it freaks me out <laughs> yeah the important thing that we find out here is that they are that both of the both of the Fitzgerald sisters are premenstrual yes which we didn't i don't think we knew before is that right that's right and it's because ginger was having back pains yes so the mum gets all excited thinking finally you become a woman soon <laughs> yes and also I think it's interesting that Ginger is really unhappy at that thought. Oh, she's so annoyed by it. Yeah, she's so angry. It, she's so angry. She, I think she thought she was special for being late. Right, yeah. And now this is the dawning of a womanhood she didn't sign up for. She doesn't like any depiction of around her. Yeah. She hates the female bully who's like the archetypal popular girl. Yeah, and all of her criticisms are, you know, dress for attention, slut, all of that sort of reproductive heteronormative fertile land if you'd like you're dead right her mother their relationship is one where she would be mortified if she turned into her to the point of where it could get violent you know like she she absolutely abhors her oh she'd she'd very much avowedly rather be dead right yeah exactly exactly (laughs) and they had this phrase you know out by 16 or dead on the scene but together forever one definitely could have been something by fallout boy (laughs) (laughs) two really sums them up and like definitely they do not want to be their parents no ever um and who can blame them (laughs) oh yeah dead dog well this is the hilarious and fun funny plan to get back at their bully right well i want to stop you there okay it is not b's plan b thinks every single time Every single time, B gets manipulated by Ginger. Yeah. In every single situation. And we are given little nods later on that this has always been the case. Yeah. That Ginger is actually manipulative and that, in my opinion, the werewolf bite brings out more of what you are. So she was horny and she was manipulative. And <laughs> as she was, as she's transforming later, sorry, spoilers, you should have seen it, um, <laughs> we see more of those come out. When we see somebody else who's infected, yeah, they are aggressively horny. They want to bite and eat everything because you know of how it feels. Yeah, and they're not the same symptoms. They're not manifesting in the same way. No. When we see Bridget, she gets very weak. 
and Ginger never did. I think it's bringing out more of that. And it enables Bridget to have that journey of going from being manipulated to being a leading role, main character, protagonist. No, I think if there is a... If there is a narrative through line through this movie, it's not Ginger, the the no. title character. It's it's Bridget. But yes, that's a good point well yeah. made. This is not their plan, this is Ginger's idea. Absolutely. <laughs> I want to point out at this point here, before we see this incredible scene, something that if you've seen this film and you know it well, will probably mess with your head. But Bridget, our dark-haired, moody teen... At the time of filming, the actress is 23 years old. And Ginger, at the time of filming, is 19. It's nuts, isn't it? Brutal. <laughs> Absolutely brutal and amazing. And a really, really, really strong bit of acting from both people. Definitely. They are not overdoing it. They're not doing the, like, Kevin and Perry. <laughs> <laughs> not your slave. But they're also not making them clearly 35 year olds no. <laughs> school children yeah it's really well done and then to do that and hold that age but be in blind panic yeah. is a huge skill how do you do that and not just slip into being the age that you are amazing yeah hand on heart if you told me if you'd said oh bridget is a wonderful performance by a 17 year old actor yeah i would have believed and yep. i would have accepted that yep yep but yes i just got the curse is our next scene so we found a dead dog we were going to go and kill the dog the beast well we were going to go and kidnap the dog sorry we were going to go and kidnap the dog the beast of bailey down got there first they went to take a paw but it was disgusting (laughs) um yeah and it is quite gross it's very graphic it's It's a ripped open doggo yeah the blood that is running down ginger's legs is not from the dead dog as they suspect it's that she just got the curse and the response is ew (laughs) (laughs) she's so good it's such a funny film i'm sad that it's not funny for you yeah Um, it's just gross i mean there's just like as i say there's a dead not that bit but pull the leg off a dead dog that's not why she's saying ew no i know but it yeah (laughs) The creepy kids playground trope is used to perfection here. We live near one. It crosses my mind a lot because of films like this. Right. It's where I used to hang out when I was a teenager. (laughs) Where teenagers used to hang out when I was a teenager and I was hanging out there. The scream and drag away is so good. It's a horror classic used to absolute perfection. Oh my God. Yeah. Through autumn leaves as well. So literally this film is just for me, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But no, this sequence is really, really nicely done. There's a nice sort of Evil Dead style steady cam chase through the woods as well. Yeah. Um, In the dark and it looks dark. There's a knack to filming things like that where where you're not doing sort of very obvious day for night where everything is just bright sunlight with Mm. a purple filter. But if you (laughs) film too much in the actual dark, dark, you can't make out what's going on to it in a way that is frustrating. That's very true, yes. But also, lamplight, you know, streetlight is creepy. It doesn't illuminate enough. But obviously it's meant to be so that people living in an urban area can sleep at night. (laughs) You don't want it floodlit. But still, it is very sinister. And the fact that she makes it back to Bridget... So Ginger gets dragged away, I should say. There's a lot of kind of the noise of a beast (laughs) and Ginger just screaming and then the screaming stops as she's dragged away. Yeah. But then she makes it back and is dragged again. So it's really like you've got incredible performance from Bridget, Emily Perkins, I should say, just 
smacking this thing with a Polaroid camera. Yes. Because it's just, it's the only thing in her hands and it's vaguely heavy and it's just like swearing (laughs) and hitting this clearly huge thing that's on top of her sister. Yeah. It is a little bit sexual. Yes. I would say it's not actually meant to, it's not consciously like that. I would say it's all wrapped up together. Well, yeah, sexuality and the beast of Bailey Downs are very tightly and closely entwined always. Including here, yeah, and that's not a mistake. That's no, not I don't think it's that coincidence. Is planned, but yeah, but, but I do see what you're saying. It's not. It is a brutal attack. I yeah. will say again, warning, warning, warning. It is a brutal attack to watch because it's so convincing by everyone involved. I think mm-hmm. it's also incredibly cheap to do and incredibly <laughs> easy to do. So to everyone that just insisted on using CGI for every monster in every film ever. Please watch this kind of thing as a school, as an education. Well, yeah, I was going to say it's cheap to do. It's not necessarily easy to do. I've seen it done badly. Yeah, I've seen it done wrong. Because it's all practical effects here. There's no CGI at all, as far as I'm aware, in the whole film. They decided to go for all practical effects, which means animatronic work and puppetry for the beast. Which is, again, why it's one of my favourites, obviously. Uh, (laughs) I do think it means that it works best like this, where we don't see very much of it. Yep. It works best in the shadows, like a lot of prop work had for, you know, 80 years. Yeah. <laughs> but this is really nicely done. And, of course, hitting it with the Polaroid camera becomes important later on. It but, does indeed. But it just it all works. It all ties in quite nicely. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, a lot of blood as well. A lot Lots of blood. of blood. It gets hit by Sam's van, drug dealer Sam. Yep. Gets hit by his van and everyone runs away in different directions, basically. Yeah. What breaks my heart is Bridget immediately getting home with her hurt sister and screaming for mum and dad. Mm -hmm. And mum and dad are in therapy. Yeah. Right? Now, I'm a huge therapy evangelist, right? I'm a massive believer in therapy. Please go to therapy now. But... I will echo this. Um, I am in therapy. I've been for years. Yeah, exactly. It is is wonderful. If you are thinking about it, uh, please, uh, please do. (laughs) (laughs) Public service. Public service. Exactly. Yes. A little little public service bit in the middle of the podcast. (laughs) We should have a separate jingle. This week we are sponsored by the idea of therapy. (laughs) Keeping us. Oh, no. Not keeping us awake at night. It's the opposite. No. Helping helping us sleep sleep at at night. But um, in this case, of course, it is emblematic of their failure to see what is before their eyes, right? The parents. Exactly. And again, it's another thing where it could just be a film all about selfishness. Yeah. <laughs> all about being self-centred, I should say, not selfishness, being self-centred. So the parents have disappeared. They're off for therapy. Um, the fact that the mother told her kids that they were going to therapy made the father respond negatively which is interesting yeah like a kind of don't tell them sort of moment also there is where the mother says she doesn't want them going out the kids going out and the father says quite dismissively they never go anywhere anyway yeah (laughs) which you know is probably true from what we know of them but it's still (laughs) yeah a little bit it's a little bit harsh isn't it it's a little (laughs) bit dismissive that seems like yeah the dad's middle name anyway it's it's a really sweet call for mum and dad like it's a panicked child calling despite how much she is adulted throughout the whole film and obviously they're not there (laughs) i love that she calls for dad as like a last ditch as well just like dad (laughs) (laughs) they call their mum pam which is very telling Mm -hmm. in this kind of culture and this time in a small town just calling mum pam is meant to be an insult 
yeah. they're doing it to each other in the way that when you had a teacher you didn't like at school you'd be like Stephanie says you know it's a, lack of, it's a lack of respect thing Bridget's so frightened of losing her sister that immediately you're like oh you didn't want to die then yeah didn't want to kill, kill yourselves didn't want to kill each other the Polaroid that has come out of that broken camera is so good yeah yeah this is one of the things this is what I mean by yeah. like it's nice because it's set up. It, it it makes sense that you'd get a picture like that because you're well. Yeah, it all ties in beautifully. It doesn't feel contrived, no. and it gives you it gives you something evidence. Evidence. If you like. It's not just a MacGuffin. It's it, it drives the plot forward, but in a really yeah. nice way. And I will say, Ginger, although she knows stuff is wrong, you know she's bleeding and panicking. She heals too quickly, which is part of the sinister nature of this scratching these bites. Yeah. She heals too quickly and then begs Bridget not to tell Pam. Yeah. And also Bridget wants to phone nine one one. Yeah. And get the emergency services in. They emphatically decide not to do that. It felt very much like one of those horror film like moments where it's like, here's a thing that you could do that might help. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a few of them. And that feels that felt like the first one when I was watching it back this time. It was like, Oh you oh no, no, we're going down this road. The wall of tampons is absolutely next level wonderful. Bearing in mind as well that they are, as far as their mother's concerned, uh, it's not actually technically a thing, but people with wombs, they are being considered as late bloomers <laughs> to only be starting their periods now. Yeah, it is sort of unusual, I think. Not. It's about on time. Like I know a lot of people that only started mm-hmm. at 15, 16, 15, 14, 15, definitely. Right. But, I mean, if you want to go there, I wasn't one of them. But... <laughs> <laughs> I was nine, but I was also unusual. Like, it tends to be between that bracket. The Wall of Tampons is so amazing because of that horrifying moment when you are starting out with this stuff and and it's just a wall of products. They all do the same thing, or do they? (laughs) You know? (laughs) And you're supposed to know, but it also comes with instructions every time. But also there's different brands. And the camera angle is so sharp that it makes you feel like a tiny kid looking yeah. up at it, right? It's from here onwards that we specifically always film Ginger from beneath. Ah. To make her look taller, more intimidating, yeah. um, like she's growing somehow, like she's... Uh... Well, I mean, she is, right? Yeah. This, this shot of Mount Tampax is <laughs> a real marker, if you'd like, that this is, in some ways, this is a horror film about puberty. Yes. You know, this is a horror film about menstruation. This is a horror film about changes in your body that you don't understand as you grow older. Yeah. (laughs) And growing apart from your sister, who has not yet started on this horrifying journey that you're on. True. Um, Just in this case, you're turning into a weird wolf beast rather than... And having a period. Good God. Yeah, good point. You're not even rather than. She's (laughs) also having a period. Yeah. Puberty (laughs) makes you feel like a freak. Puberty makes you feel like a freak. Even though everyone around you is also a freak. (laughs) You still feel like the biggest freak in a room. And then on top of that, you're growing like hair hair from the wounds that were left by a werewolf. Like you're not going to be okay. Yes. Discount Christian Slater is great casting for Sam. (laughs) It also could have been a part played by Josh Hartnett if they'd had a slightly bigger budget at the time. I feel like he could have blended right in. I don't know if he had quite had the chops at the time. Oh, I guess he's a little bit. on Josh Hartnett, if you're listening, Josh. (laughs) But yeah, Christian Slater's a great shout for it, actually. um... Yeah, he is. He's Discount Christian Slater. Absolutely. He's good casting. He seems very kind. He's very sweet. He's become aware that there is a... 
lycanthropic connection between him and the girls. Straight um, away, he's really clued into this. He's really yeah. not sort of that bothered you by it. You know why? Why? He's a stoner. <laughs> the mind was already open. Yeah. It's a really, really good tool. We're looking at you, but we're trying not to make eye contact with you, Joss Whedon. Um, with Cabin in the Woods and having oh, the I hero that he was involved in that. Mm. Yes, because they see things differently. Sometimes it's a pro. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's a plus. The thing that struck me certainly yeah. was that I've seen werewolf films. Yeah, and there are very specific rules about this, right? You can't mm. just kill them by knocking them down with your forestry truck. No, but it is just an animal in this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is a moment here where we sort of sketch that out. A lot of horror films have this thing where we establish yeah. the rules, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll we, they actually specifically cite that later. So we'll yeah. talk about it then when we're discussing the ring and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's nice to have somebody on side straight away that doesn't need convincing. It also makes sense that it would be a stoner hanging around with younger people. Yep. There's a lot of boxes being ticked that mean that everybody would just accept that that's a thing. Yeah. Ginger's frightened of dying too. By the way, yeah, she, you get that kind of. I can't have a hairy chest. Be that's, that's effed. <laughs> you know? um, and then, oh my god, menstruation cake, menstruation cake, Ben. This is the real horror here. That, as you say, the mother. Yeah, it's strange. Again, it's a, it's an interesting and quite well developed part, Pam. In some ways, she is quite perceptive. Yeah. But in most ways. She's she's quite tone deaf and doesn't have a clue, you know. And this is just, oh yeah, it is just cringy, isn't it? It's got strawberries all over it. Yeah, you know, it's it is a red cake. I don't know. It's yeah, dark and embarrassing. It makes you clench. Bridget's jumper is perfect. I've got a lot of very useless notes here. Bridget's <laughs> jumper is perfect. Ginger is already dressing a little bit sexier, ever so slightly. Yeah. Right. Their sisterly fight is extra sad when you have already seen how close they are. They yeah. have like a can't believe you told her. Oh, that was it. That's why there's menstruation cake. Oh yes. Because Pam was doing washing. Yeah. And finds pants. And yeah. it's like, hey Full O blood. Full O blood pants. And then yeah, takes it upon herself to try and have the chat again. Yeah. Nightmare. Werewolf study montage <laughs> involves classic American horror. <laughs> Oh yes, I meant to, I, I tried to find out whether that was a real film that they were watching. Oh yeah, um, I did not get anywhere with that. Um, also, we get to see her doing some pretty horrifying shaving. Yeah, this... again, right? It's, it's changes in your body that yeah. make you grow hair in places you didn't have it before. It's just that in her case, she's extra grumpy. It's her collarbone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the glow up walk is everything. It's absolutely everything. It's an iconic moment. Everyone knows it when they see it. She's got the square neck top, which is very classic of the age. You've got silver hair mascara. Yes, although we are meant to believe that that's her hair changing colour. It is clearly hair mascara. Velvet stretch skirt and the choker. It's the aesthetic I live for and cannot pull off. There is a sneaky peek at having a beginning of a tail. Didn't notice that. Mm, Just a sneaky peek. But she's starting to change. Yeah, come into her power. Yes, and everybody's noticing, everybody's wolf whistling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which is which is apt. Lol, lol, lol. <laughs> yeah. She has a little flirt with the sleaze bag. Yeah. With Jason. Jason. And anything else that moves. Yeah. It, it's it's fun. It's somebody as you say coming into their power having fun with their ability to attract people 
when they first realise they have it. Yeah. Yeah. Hormones, baby. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, because Jason has also noticed her, right? Yeah. He's talking to his friends, and and they're like, the fit, Fitzgerald. Like, are you are you insane? Yeah. What's wrong with what's you? wrong with you? And he's like, oh no, she's got it going on. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good. <laughs> Sam here tells the viewer to forget Hollywood rules. He actually uses yeah. that quote. Forget yeah. Hollywood rules. This isn't the same. This isn't what you know. Is this where they have the com- not the confrontation, but where uh, Bridget and Sam sort of begin a, a, an uneasy alliance because she's left the Polaroid that we talked about? Is yes, this here? that is here, and we find Ginger in the back of Sam's dealing van, yes. smoking weed with the boys and not being herself. She then goes to get in a car with them and has, again, one of my favourite things is. Bridget screaming through the window, Hey, she's ovulating! <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. And the look of just, <laughs> I'm going to murder and eat you yeah, this is from the, her sister. The sad, you know, say the, the sort of jealousy between really the sisters sad. and the, the wedge coming between them. Oh, a jealousy is an interesting one. I don't see it as that. I see it as the fear of being left behind. Ah, yeah. Um, this is the death that they were talking about, but not in the way that anyone was expecting. It's an extremely long way to go yeah. compared to like throwing yourself out of a window and impaling. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Bridget's watching her go in disbelief, you know, and that yeah. she, she's ovulating thing because Bridget is a nerd. She's very clever. Yeah. And, um, and but also she's pre-menstrual herself, right? She's not... Yeah, mature, she's not, in inverted commas. Yeah, she's not feeling these feelings uh, she's also been tracking ginger's cycle using yeah. a calendar they got free with the tampons by the way uk why aren't we doing that yeah uh so she knows she's ovulating so yeah go on well one thing i did want to say about the the rules and sam here yeah is that one of the reasons we find out that he's so immediately on board with it being mm. a lycanthrope is because he found a penis <laughs> He found a man's uncircumcised penis in his van. Is that here or is that later Oh, on? yeah. That's here, isn't it? When he was clearing out the front of his van where he hit it. He said that would explain the uncircumcised penis I found in my grill. Yes. I genuinely... Yeah? Genuinely thought that was him describing the monster. Oh. But I think you're I, right. I assume it, it's, a, it's a remnant of the man yes. who became the beast, right? I really think and you're if, right. And if I'm right, it's, an, it's of course, it's a link between... The monster and sex. It's a link between yes. infection and sex. It's a link between yes. adulthood and this sort of maturity, if you'd like. And again, it ties into the oddly sexual tone to the... or sexual angle to the attack on Ginger. Yeah, so, uh, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> She's ovulating. <laughs> so she goes off to have weird let's eat Jason sex in the car. Yeah. It is very sexual assaulty. Yeah. The whole scene is very sexual assaulty of a woman on a man again, so we're yeah. swapping everything around. And he talks big, you know, Jason talks big and yeah, it's like he's, he's into it. Man. But he's a little baby man, exactly. Mm. Yes, yes. Um, Not that anyone deserves what she's doing to him in the car, but no. he does have a bit of a wild ride. And then we cut to those Celtic tie dye throws. <laughs> Celtic and in inverted commas, tie dye yeah. throws that everyone had in the noughties. I only recently got rid of one. Yeah, it's. <laughs> <laughs> But this is where we get another little switcheroo, right? Because in the previous scene, Sam's been talking about like death by morality yes. in, the, in the, the Hollywood rules, you yep. know? And then we cut to 
this sort of blighty sex scene. Yeah. And Bridget is waiting up for Ginger to come home, who comes home covered in blood. Crying. Crying. And I immediately assumed yeah. that she had gone a little bit too far with Jason. Yeah, and just and eaten, him all, eaten him all up. And not in a in a sexy, sexy way. No. In a legally actionable murder way. Is it in, legally actionable against a werewolf? I mean, it's a grey area, isn't it? But yeah. I certainly think that PC Plus will take a dim view. <laughs> but, of course... They all switcheroo. That's not what's happened. Mm. She's merely eaten next door's dog. Yes. <laughs> yes, you killed Norman. Um, Poor Norman. Norman was the yappy dog that has been present throughout. It was the dog that was barking when Baxter in the very beginning is killed. But before that, we have this really horrifying, gory scene of her puking blood into a toilet. Oh, yeah. And saying, something's definitely wrong with me. <laughs> uh, which is like, yep, definitely. And again, this kind of child, it, they B goes out to look over the garden fence at what's left of whatever she's eaten mm-hmm. and then says oh my god in that way that sounds like she's killed the boy yeah and then you killed norman i really am quite disturbed by ginger describing her first time having sex you know that just squirming and squealing and then he's done yeah I'm, it's so bleak i'm just a lay <laughs> yeah he's a big man and i'm just a lay but she is always trying to get bridget to do what she's doing yeah Every single time. Do you want a cigarette? Do you want to smoke? Do you want to go and find someone to have sex with? You should be having sex. You know, this, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. It's like a reverse accountability partner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Poor yappy big, Norman. It's the big sister thing, isn't it? And there's, yeah. only, there's only the two of them. Well, the mother, Pam, previously has said, do you always have to do what your sister does? Yeah. It's like, yes. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Literally everything. Apparently she does. This is sort of what I mean when I say that Pam is perceptive in yeah. in some things, just not in others. One thing that she does have a handle on is something of the sisters' dynamic. She just doesn't have a clue what they're doing. Yeah. Mainly because <laughs> they seem to live in a basement annex miles away from their yeah. parents somehow. <laughs> they're barely in the same house. There comes a time in every woman's life where you have to tape your tail. <laughs> um, they have a lovely moment of... of one of them electrical taping the other one's tail to their own leg. <laughs> yeah, and if you wanted to get Freudian I do. on this, yes. then as she comes into her sexual power, mm-hmm. uh, she uh, grows her own penis as a sort of phallic yeah. symbol of, of... Not wanting to be, yeah. Not wanting to be a woman. It's a rejection of femininity and the rejection of the societal and physical womanhood yeah so she grows uh, her own penis fair enough she did have unprotected sex with that ridiculous man child yeah so we have lycanthropy as a an sti yeah we have becoming a werewolf as an sti and he is bleeding from the penis yeah just saying yeah you know? and uh, well, and or pissing blood as well. It's also the yeah. second time that there's reference to periods catching. Oh, yeah. Um, there's an initial time where <laughs> Bridget recoils in horror at Ginger bleeding. Mm-hmm. She says, you know, you, you can't catch it and swears at her. And then this time the boys, when Jason comes up to them and says, had a wild time and looks a bit sorry for himself. But also like cat that got the cream. Yeah, um, Ginger Fitzgerald rocked my world. <laughs> And then one of the boys is like, yo, is it catching? You know, <laughs> she on the rag. And then he goes away and deals with it. We then get 
the fist fight that every bully in high school deserves but never gets. <laughs> Right. This fist fight is really interesting because it's actually brutal. Like often when we see women fighting in films, they are supposed to just pull each other's hair and roll around a bit. Yeah. But instead of being one of these kind of weird hair pulling, gently clawing at each other fights, it's a full on actual Ginger just pins her to the ground and starts punching her face. Really whirling on her, And yeah. she's like got a nosebleed, like it's fully, it's very graphic and she gets dragged off her. I will say that the fight starts because Trina blames... Bridget for hurting her dog that her, she says her dog's gone missing I know it was you and goes for it and then obviously Ginger comes in to save save the day Ginger's just looking for a fight like <laughs> Ginger is ready to go whatever the weather at this point and then from all of that from her being dragged away and told to go to the principal's offices and all that Jason starts weeing blood and screaming yeah and I you know speaking as a man I understand the urge to scream it's horrifying You often pee blood? No. Good. No, but, you know, oh, there's, that, there's, that a good, imagery. there's a good reason for that. Yes, yes, yes. It's not a thing you want to see. Absolutely. At this point, Bridget has lied to Sam and said that it is she that has been bitten. Oh, yes. And that it's she that is changing. Because she knows that Ginger will reject his help. Mm-hmm. And she knows that she will need to try and get all the information out of Sam, who seems to know what he's doing roughly. <laughs> before she can digest it for Ginger and then, I don't know, regurgitate it. Like, she's trying to save her sister because this is, like, the number one motivating factor in her life. She doesn't like anything else, really, but she loves her sister. Yeah. And Sam, as well as being a stoner, works for the county... Nursery. Nursery, plant nursery. I can't remember what it says in his van, but something like that. Forestry services. So he works in botany. You know, he has a scientific background i guess you could say yeah so he's in a greenhouse uh, half of the greenhouse is sectioned off as a tree nursery and half of the greenhouse is his personal weed place yeah i will say the fact that he's found curtains with like the shadows of weed as the pattern of it is a bit much but that might be to make it look like there's more weed in there than there is when we do tracking shots of the whole thing yeah fair enough. so it could just be a dodgy bit of prop placement but yes. i did notice recreational use of cannabis as we're recording has been legal in canada since october the 17th 2018 which means that at the time that this was made it wasn't so it might be a decent prop film making idea to have the leaves on your curtains but it doesn't seem like a good practical in-universe yeah. idea plan from Sam to have that. Oh, I have just realised, though, it could be a good way to disguise your weed. Because if those shadows appear anywhere else, your mind would just think, oh, it's those weird oh, curtains. Oh, it's the curtains are hiding in plain sight. Yeah, exactly. But who knows? <laughs> they might just be a prop department choice that didn't translate. So it looks as though Bridget, who is infected has brought her crazy sister along in, I will say, like, the best blue coat and a cobweb bolero. Like, it's fully 2000, mm-hmm. but it's also, like, we're getting sexier again. We're starting to reveal more flesh. Everything's form-fitting. Yes. And she turns up looking like she is sort of... I mean, I don't know if you've ever been in this place, but have you ever been, like, so teenage horny that you're aggressive? Are you talking to me or the faithful listener at home? I'm talking to you in front of these guys. In front of these guys. Not aggressive in a in a mean way, but just there's there's a background mania 
to it. Yeah, 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 fair enough. I feel like that's what she's showing really nicely. Mm-hmm. But again, that would have only been like, I don't know, three or four years before for her <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> at that point. Yes, just sort of tune into that. Yeah. Um, and talking about costumes and stuff, I did notice a couple of times that, strangely, Bridget, rather than, rather than Ginger, starts wearing sort of shaggier, furrier things at some point. Oh, um, which is Which is nice. Not like, she's not dressed in a wolf costume, but she seems to sort of go almost the opposite way to her sister. Yeah. In terms of, well, in one way, of course, in dressing in a slightly shaggier, furrier way, she's mirroring her sister's development in another way. But well, it she's trying to, to yeah, yeah, she's trying to do the same thing. Absolutely. Um, she also dresses more feminine. I, I noticed that. So she's as in feminine with bunny ears in the sky. Who I does? Know, Sorry. Uh, Bridget. Bridget does. So she begins to wear petticoats. Mm-hmm. She begins to wear red skirts. So it's red from the waist down, you know. So, yeah, Very I noticed nice. it, but in yeah. a different way to you. Yeah. They find out through Sam's research that monkshood slash wolfsbane is good. It it fights infection in small doses, right? Mm. It is technically, I believe, a poison, if I remember rightly. Um, it sounds like it, yes, doesn't it? Yes, it's extremely, it can just cause immediate cardiac arrest, gastrointestinal systems and neuromuscular dysfunction. So please, as well as asphyxia, so please don't actually do anything to do with this. However... In homeopathy, I had a little ding, ding, ding go off because in homeopathy, it's used to treat fear, anxiety, restlessness, acute and sudden fever symptoms and being generally in a state of high fear, like in that instinctive primal fear drive thing, um, which is interesting. Yes. And yes, known as aconite in those circles. Some people that need the aconite as a remedy report a creepy sensation that feels like ants crawling over their body Ooh. or like creeping in general. Wolfsbane also has a sort of long folkloric uh, association with fighting of werewolves Yeah. as well. So it's nice to have it sort of pulled in in a scientific way, you know, sort of still dealing with some of the old tropes and ideas. Yeah. We're doing it in a non-Hollywood way. We're doing it, We're in... Doing it in a Breaking Bad way where yeah. someone has a vague greenhouse knowledge of <laughs> poisons and medicines and how to create and distribute them. There's a really nasty little line that really stuck with me. And again, it's not particularly pleasant, but it's Ginger being at her most venomous when she says, if he rapes you, don't come crying to me. Right? Which is just such a nasty thing. She's talking to Bridget about Sam. Sam has no interest in her and he's never hinted at it. No. He's never hinted at interest in either of them. He is literally just existing as a separate undeveloped character <laughs> yeah he turns them both down um he as does well. in a way i mean bridget never wants a piece really she's mortified and embarrassed by the whole thing but she's not no but he, again he says oh i've never i don't, I think don't of see you, you that way in, in yeah. that way and then later on when ginger tries it on with him he is not interested either nope the bleeding and shaving thing is so freaky and that's a lot of candles to shave by I don't think I've ever shaved by that kind of candlelight. She set it up like a kind of gothic chair. I was going to say, yeah, not enough of a goth. Yeah, I guess. I guess I just desperately needed to, I don't know, sneeze and cut myself open or something. When she's shaving, is this when her mother comes in and she hides from it? Yeah. Um, It's about magazines. Yes, yeah. But uh, Ginger is bathing in her her vest there, shaving her thing. She's, yeah. Which I noticed, but I suppose it's to do with the fact that this isn't an exploitative horror film oh, really okay. of like look at these sexy teenage girls no you're um, right that's interesting and it, it's directed by a man it's directed by a man mm. yeah I, 
John Fawcett. It's directed by John Fawcett, right. Uh, yeah, so it is directed and co-written by a man. Uh, the same man with Karen Walton. They wrote it together. And there's no nudity. Uh, no, but I mean, shaving your legs without being in the bath or shower is a thing, for sure. Fair enough. Yeah, but um, she sort of hides with the curtain as if she's sort of naked in the bath. True, but that's also because she's shaving wolf hair from her legs yeah, that's and true. has a tail. So I, I, <laughs> I get <laughs> No, no, I, I understand why, but yeah. it's just that it, it is notable as being even 20 years on. And when you speak up. about the tone-deaf mother just walking in to a yeah. teenager in the bath is so strange. Yeah. Like, to just walk in casually. You could kind of do it when they're kids because you're in and out all the time. Sure. But she's definitely reached a, a point where she shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ginger should be quite capable of bathing on her own. And, and Ginger, <laughs> knowing her mother, in yeah. fact, says, look, I'm fat, go away. Oh, yes, because her mother says there's nothing I haven't seen before. Nothing I haven't seen before, yeah. And she's like, well, you know, go away, I'm fat. Yes. Um, she says, you're not fat. Those those models are all on speed to look like that. <laughs> Which is just so, you know, again, we're finding out more and more glimpses of who this family are. Blah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's meant to comfort you. Anyway. <laughs> Trina comes around in a bit of a state accusing them of sleeping with Sam. Accusing yes. one of them of sleeping with Sam. Trina, Trina has a thing for Sam. Trina lost her virginity to Sam, we find out. He's That's a cherry, true, cherry he's hound. I wrote that down, hound. it's particularly unpleasant. It's awful, <laughs> but it's also, that is what the werewolf is. Ah. Right? Because it comes as soon as she has her period, you know, it's it's got, it's all connected, I feel. Sure. Um, and also, the only people we see turned are virgins in this film. Yeah. Um, their versions at the time of turning. <laughs> um, yeah, good point. So that's interesting. But yes, Cherry Hound, and I've just put ooh, because <laughs> I was hound. in the mode of yeah. like, ooh. What? Hound. You Dog, hadn't noticed. Wolf. No, I hadn't yeah. seen it. <laughs> <laughs> that was my brain. Um, I feel like it's a really sad moment from Trina, actually. She's sort of pleading, being like, don't let him get you too. Yeah. You know, don't give him what he wants. We don't get the sense at all that Sam is manipulative. So this just sounds like, and this is such an awful thing to say, but it does sound like she is a woman scorned. She's a spurned woman. Yeah. And we've seen him reject her repeatedly. Yeah. She may have just given herself to him or he may have just gone for her until she wasn't a virgin anymore and then left <laughs> her alone. But that's really not how he's portrayed. No, we never see anything from him specifically. No. And he's a fairly major presence in the second half of the he film. He also has every opportunity to have sex with either of the girls and doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I'm not congratulating him for that. I just mean as a character point, like that's an interesting thing to note that actually maybe he's not just desperate for a lay. Mm. This was a terrible thing that happened with this previous yeah. ex of theirs you know especially when we consider the only other male character <laughs> really yeah uh, not counting their father jason of course is that archetype of the sort of horny sex man teenager as are his friends yeah and certainly sam stands in opposition to that sam stands in contrast to that yeah the kind of attack on bridget sets ginger off again who mm -hmm. is immediately extremely physically aggressive towards Trina. She's got her in a headlock and stuff mm -hmm. and is really intimidating her and really frightening her. Bridget knows where this is going and <laughs> is sort of trying to calm her down. She's the wiser head again, you know, this yeah, is what you said about time. being the other adult, sort of being the parent role almost. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, every time. <sighs> Bless her cotton socks. 
Trina defends herself with a knife and both girls back away. Like yeah. Bridget's backing away because she's like, oh, blimey, she's armed now. And she was already a bully before. And Ginger, even Ginger slinks back. She's very dog-like in that moment. She sort of slinks back and looks at her from under her eyebrows like, mm-hmm. ha, 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 oh, you've got a knife, you know. And in her panic, Trina just slips on milk and dies. Yeah, smashes her head. Smashes her head. And you get that beautiful, and I love it, and I know it's absolutely used to death, but the red on white. Oh, the the blood into the milk. Yeah, Yeah, blood into snow, blood into milk. Beautiful. Really, really gorgeous. It's also really nice because it tells you instantly that she's dead. Yeah, but without her, like showing a gaping head wound. Yeah, yeah, or without them like feeling yeah. for a pulse or going like, she's dead! Yeah, it's looking just... at you, Crimson Peak, for an <laughs> unnecessarily bloody ending. <laughs> and then mum and, mum and dad are home. Yes. And this, I feel like, is point two where they've definitely descended another few steps yeah. down the unclimbackable ladder yeah. to wreck and ruin. And again... Uh, it's the weird dark humour because it's the oh my god of the mother coming back to find this scene in the kitchen yeah. only to say girls I told you no more deaths in the house Yeah, she's so used to seeing blood and guts everywhere that this is just yet another one the old switcheroo of course little goth 14 year old always has her camera on her Bridget so just immediately stage something that looks like one of their old photos yeah and they say it's for extra credit Extra credit. It's for extra credit, and they have clearly put Trina's still warm body in the freezer. And Mum goes to put her shopping away, and in- <laughs> I think it's funny to stop her mother, and because Bridget knows her mother so well, to stop her mother from seeing this corpse that they've just stuffed in a freezer. The mother opens the freezer with meat in her hands, mm-hmm. and Bridget goes, "Mum, what do men want?" <laughs> Yeah, you see, you're laughing at that. This is this is the, one of the points where it's like I can see that this is like what a comedic. I can see this is structured as comedic, but I just it just sickens me. You know, I just find it's, it horrible. I get it. I get it to a point, but like, it's so deadpan. It's so nicely oh, done that yeah. then they have this scene where she's got an untouched glass of milk and a massive plate of cookies the mum's really excited to have this chat with her yeah and the next flash we see is bridget looking absolutely traumatized yeah we get a cut we never see we never hear any of this chat we got ginger with a kind of wry smile on her face looking like she'd happily eat her mother's face and bridget just like thanks and (laughs) the mum just going that's basically all they want yeah (laughs) Some of them are nice about it at first, but... <laughs> oh, it's so dark mm-hmm. and so well done. So, yeah, it's at this point that I've written down that this film makes me think of those sisters that run away together. We hear about them quite frequently, and often it's in places like Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Canada's a massive place, but like you'll hear about these little stories of two young boys or two young girls running away together. They do something wrong. Often they would have like hurt a child by accident, mm-hmm. Sometimes they come from an abusive background, but you hear these stories of them running away together and you're like, how long are you going to survive in British Columbia countryside? Yeah. You know, what What are you doing? But it's got that, they're really in that ilk. They're really, they've really got that vibe down of we can do this and we can escape. There's a way to get out of this and we, as long as we stay together, we can yeah. get away. They even, after I wrote that note, they made reference to we can run. That's the plan, right? Get yeah. as far away as possible. But it wasn't the plan when I wrote it. No, but... <laughs> <laughs> I wrote yeah. it because it's like, yeah, that's that's their logical child brain going into mm-hmm. panic mode. It's around about here. 
we I think we cut from them digging Trina out of the freezer where she's frozen solid. Yes. Um, and they, they they clip a couple of fingers off with a y- screwdriver. Yeah, which is again, it's just <laughs> so absolutely disgusting. But then we cut to uh, Henry, who's their father, chatting to uh, their their to mother Pam. to Pam, and this is where he's sort of unexpectedly perspicacious, right? He he spots that something's not quite right. It doesn't yeah. do him any good. It doesn't do anybody any good. But it's notable because it's one of his only interventions. Is it's one of his only lines in the whole. I know. One of the only times he gets to speak. Yeah, but he says, you know, he points out why are they so interested in what you have to say. I think is his line, or yeah. very close to that. All of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, which is a good point. But she doesn't take the hint. She doesn't take the hint because her nose is buried in a magazine that she's so glad she saved, because it has the article "What to Do." When your daughter's dating a jerk psychopath or, or a jerk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I kept this. And when he says that, mm-hmm. when he says, why are they so interested in your opinion all of a sudden, her immediate response is to look at him in that kind of withering, intense eye contact way mm-hmm. and say, why don't you just stay in your little world? Yeah. You know, it's so... They then flick back to the two girls burying Trina and Ginger's got a kind of monologue on the go she's very casual she's making jokes about like shallow grave that'd be fitting yes and all this stuff she even says there's so many worms do you remember when I used to make you eat worms just to get in here yeah which is so when I say about those references to a manipulative childhood where this poor girl poor little Bridget you can imagine how cute she was as a kid just just like eating worms just to get in the shed so this relationship has always been toxic yeah jason in the closet is terrifying (laughs) but there's that flickering light and there are so many poorly fitted strip lights in this film (laughs) like someone needs to go around with a screwdriver and tighten all those bolts because it's a trope they used to get it again just that old guy isn't it the janitor he can't do it all on his own no i guess not Jason kind of accosts Bridget being like, hey, it was catching, whatever she had, thanks so much, I'm turning into a dog. And he's really not happy about it, which is fair. She's rescued by the janitor. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. He comes up and says, what is going on here? It's nice he got to do something good (laughs) before the end. Yeah, he's, he's set up here as a nice old man. Yeah. So Pam catches Bridget before she disappears, right? Mm -hmm. They go back home. We're shot back to their house mm-hmm. Ginger comes in and sort of grunts something at the mum and vanishes right it's maybe they're at dinner or something she just leaves yeah. she does the like can I be excused boom and her nastiness over the dinner table has become unmanageable at this yeah. point she's kept her hood up she looks like a little emo kid times ten and it's like cut how much she hates Pam with a knife kind of disdain so Pam keeps Bridget back and says, you're going to tell me what's going on right now. Yeah. You know, there's something up with your sister. You're going to tell me everything. And B, being cute and being tiny, really, in her head, but also somehow an adult, she can play the game so hard. She knows how to play Pam. But she still says, a girl was beating me up. And this is about the disappearance of Of course, yes, because Trina's gone... Well, we know where Trina is. But Trina's gone missing... And people have noticed, which is a nice touch, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's unusual for that uh, Yeah, exactly. And also that one of the teenage boys is like, I bet the beast got her. Yeah. Straight away. 
Uh, she's dead. We all know she's dead. Yeah. But there's this moment where we're back at the house and she's asking B what's happened. And B's just like, Trina beat me up, so Ginger beat her up. It got nasty. Yeah. They argued. Yeah. You know, that's basically all she says. But that's it. One thing that struck me is that Pam isn't in the least bit concerned about B being bre- beaten up. No. <laughs> doesn't even mention it. That's true. Yeah. She just immediately says... She actually asks, this is what I meant earlier when I said about Bridget being the adult and forced into adulthood. Ginger is this kind of beauty that B is not. And Ginger possesses all this mystique that B does not. Mm-hmm. However, B is the practical, sensible minded one, and Ginger is just sort of expected to exist and be beautiful, I think. Yes. So, A, the fact that Ginger is rebelling against that is revolting. But mm-hmm. also frightening to her mother. And B, lol. <laughs> yes, it's no coincidence that her name is B, as yeah. in A and B. As yeah. in B team. Yeah. yeah, B string, B plot. But what I'm saying was that she actually asks B advice on whether or not she thinks that she should talk to Ginger. Yeah. Which is so dark. You know, do you think yeah. you should talk to her? Do you think she'll listen? She's like, this is why I said B plays the game. Ginger thinks it's cool you let us do our own thing. She knew exactly what her mother wanted to hear there. Her mother even confirmed it, saying, I was hoping that was working. As if she had an idea. (laughs) As if she was doing it. Well, I mean, obviously she has no idea what's going on, you know. She will be leaving these parenting magazines everywhere. Mm -hmm. And of course, they, as teenage girls, they've had a flick through and laughed at everything. Of course they have. I really feel like she's directly quoting from some advice. Sure. And she's buttering up her mother, right? To to get her to leave them alone and give them enough time to run. Absolutely. Also, after this, Ginger has a moment of clarity where she's like, I think I'm in real poop. Yes. To Bridget alone. You know, it's a really sweet moment. They hug. She's asking for help. Uh, but then I put it's all downhill from here. Yes. But <laughs> all through this, Bridget is working really hard to try and help her sister out. Yeah. And pulls a lot of weight for her, like literally yeah. and figuratively. But yeah, there's no way back. Nope. So all the time while this has been going on, B and Sam have been working on this cure these ideas this uh, the aconite, yeah. aconite but at some point uh, before this they've come up with the idea of a silver ring yes to try a little, and, um, um, he takes a ring out of his ear or out of his nose or something yeah again very strangely sexual but without being explicit bridget pierces ginger's belly button with it yeah. in an effort to subdue her yeah and then we actually interestingly ginger says oh you should get a piercing too right you should try exactly, this exactly every time <laughs> every time like, you should get one too we can be i don't know naval buddies it's yeah. weird so that hasn't worked out so she's going to go and see sam to get this i was going to say yeah antidote you know yeah. anti anti werewolf serum yes yeah. and but she decides that her oh. sister is too dangerous outside of this so locks her in the bathroom she does i will say that the way that they get the aconite is that after that ridiculous conversation with her mother b notices that Pam is using aconite as one of her bits of flower arranging. Oh, She's yes. got some dried, dried flower in there. They've already decided aconite works, so she just nicks it off her mum and runs away. <laughs> with her mum looking very confused and going, of course you can have it. What's wrong with you, yeah, you weird she's child? Like, Where did you get this from? Is this Wolfsbane or whatever it is? Yeah, yeah. she's like, yeah, I got it from the craft store. Yeah. <laughs> of course you did, you crazy lady. Anyway, terrifying. But yeah, Ginger doesn't take kindly to being locked in the bathroom. No, and it's quite an extensive and harrowing scene of her pleading and then clawing and then 
screaming to get her way out of there. Also, I wondered who was controlling the tail, because it's very convincing. It moves mm. without her consent. It's often splashing about in a pile of blood somewhere. It's, it's nice. It works. Yeah. That's the moment of clarity is when she's trying to chop her own tail off. Yes. Yeah, so she's self-harming again. And B catches her and there's a whole, you're not going to die like this. We're not going to die. You're not going to yeah. die. No one's killing themselves. Oh, yeah, and I put the parents don't turn up once. No, yeah, she's screaming. And screaming. And, but again, like apart from when Mother walks in while oh, she's right. shaving, as you say, they appear to live in this entirely separate annex somewhere, the, the sisters. Yeah, so she's escaped. She turns up at the school that is beautifully decorated for Halloween in a gorgeous, very unusual long waffle coat i wondered if it was hmm. a custom piece but it's essentially a flasher jacket and we flash the dirty boys <laughs> you know yeah well she's she's off the chain yeah yeah so to yes. speak yes and she gets called into the counselor's office for flashing and being caught yeah we're then shown jason and bridget and this interaction is very distressing but also amazing jason attacks bridget basically. Yeah. We're shown neighbourhood watch signs, which really made me laugh out loud. And Jason is about to eat a trick-or-treater. Yeah. It's not funny to you, but it, it just it just tickles me. He's about to eat a tiny little trick-or-treater, and Bridget's like, let him go. Quite authoritative. She knows what's happening here. And he says, fine, I'll take you. You know, whatever. Yeah. In her fear, and in this horrible attack moment, which is not funny, she stabs him in the neck with the antidote that she's carrying fresh from Sam. They don't know if it's going to work or not. Nope. They don't know what it does. Well, I mean, Sam has said, like, it might kill her. He has revealed in that moment oh, that he yeah. knows it's Ginger. Yeah, because he's tapping he's my high. nose. He's yeah. um, switched on. He is switched on. He's and a smart cookie. One of them is acting like a wolf lady. And yeah. The other one is just a teenager. <laughs> gives it away. There's a lot of people in this film it wouldn't occur to if I do haven't noticed. Yes, that's true. And I've put poor Jason because Neighbourhood Watch have not come through for anyone here but also he gets knocked off his feet by it and she's like, oh bums, it killed him. And then he gets up and is extremely (laughs) apologetic and sweet, has a needle sticking out of his neck and sort of stumbles home like, why am I here? I have to get to class, he says. I know. And then then just stumbles out of the film. And I said at the beginning there was a plot point particularly that bothered me. And it it is sort of, that's like he is injected, he's fine, and now he's gone. And that's it, we don't see him again. And I I understand why, it's because the film's not really about him or really about scientifically trying to cure lycanthropy. It's about the relationship of the sisters and it's about all these other things. But it always sort of bothered me that he is... He's introduced, he's infected, he's cured, and then dispensed with. It's just like, okay, the cure definitely works. What would you have liked to see? I don't know. It just... Would you like him to have had the reform moment where he stands up for a girl being picked on by salacious men? I I didn't think that it was that powerful. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't know, I don't know. But... It might be a redemption. It just struck me as um, a little bit... A little bit untidy. It's a little bit of an unfinished... Or a very perfunctorily tied-off thread. I just feel like it's another thing where it's like, no men, we're looking at the girls. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I see exactly why it is. Yeah, It just It just niggles at me a little bit as a thing of like, oh, that's... I guess that's that thread done. Yeah. And I guess, you know, I guess this experimental thing works that'll do that'll do yeah yeah i mean it to be fair it's an extremely high stakes situation so it's worth yeah. the risk and as sam says you know you'll lose her either way yeah like on the one hand you put her out of her misery on the other hand you've cured her this is the only time in the film bridget smiles 
<laughs> is Good when fact. she realizes that the cure is a cure. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the time we've caught up with Bridget, we do not have any um, cure. No, because we put it all we in. Just in put uh, it in Jason. Jason. And we find Ginger licking her fingers, having just eaten the counselor. Yeah, and this is the first person that she actually murders, right? It is. She has the poster of missing Trina behind her on the wall Yeah. while she's covered in the counsellor's blood saying, like, he was going to find out, B. Yeah. Bridget's there like, what have you done? Why? <laughs> yeah. And she's looking at it from the perspective of, like, the clean-up, man. You know, like, yeah. I'm already doing all this stuff for you. This is what I mean. She's doing a <laughs> lot of work. She's pulling a lot of weight for her sister here. Yeah. And I think it's here as well that Ginger compares the act of killing to... Orgasm, indirectly, yes. I think. I can't she remember does. exactly what she says. It's like touching yourself. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Yeah, thank you. Which is, again, it's all in the big, like, sex, death, blood ne- nexus, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 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 We do flash to finding the fingers. Oh, yeah. This is around about here. Another one of Dad's only lines. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. And he does a little scream when he finds them, and the mum is all casual, saying, oh, it's just part of the girl's death project. Yeah, the fake you, big baby. Yeah, uses um, garden gloves and puts them in Tupperware, which means her fingerprints are not on them anywhere, by yeah. the way, just saying. But she does think they're fake. She has a good look. She's got pumpkin earrings that I need, but a scrunchie that I want to burn. Like, it's hard looking <laughs> at her. But it is Halloween at this point, so trying to get in the theme. We flashback having seen Pam's... Hmm face yeah which is concerning to the caretaker (laughs) oh yeah because yeah ginger is in the council's office having brutally murdered him and and licked his blood up so bridget says you know just stay here don't go anywhere i'm gonna go get something to clean this up she's not away for very very long no she nicks (laughs) the caretaker car yeah and in that time the caretaker is on his rounds and comes to that office and wants to clean it but because Ginger isn't going to let him in, because it's full of blood, blood and bits and all of that biz. So she sort of barricades the door, you know, holds the door closed. But he's got a key. He lets himself in. Yep. And he he really wouldn't have done that for his own sake. Well, it's really sweet because she does try and block him twice, and then she yeah. lets the door open to yeah. lure him, which is a very wolfy trick. Yes. You know. And Ginger describes herself. Obviously, Bridget walks around the corner like, No! I told you to stay where you were! What are you doing? And Ginger goes on this little rant about how she's a goddamn force of nature, B. You know, yeah. uh, it's also very Faith vibes for the Buffy fans. The death of the janitor's really nasty, mm. in fairness. Like, it's very graphically gross and throwing him at stuff and Bridget frantically trying to keep this guy alive by getting her sister away from it but it's just you know he won't tell anyone you know he's fine he won't tell anyone but clearly clearly ginger's lost it now she's fully in the process of losing her mind her body has changed again she's got more features that are wolfy yeah yeah and she's mega hyped up that manipulative stuff is like ridiculously bad she also does a really nasty back kick and it's the first time that she's actually hurt physically hurt bridget when she yeah. kicks her spine as yes. she's leaving, and it's horrible. Like, of all the violence, that one is the one that sticks in my mind. Is this where they have the chat about dying for each other versus? Yes. I feel like this is one of the bits where Bridget sticks up for herself mm. a little bit. Ginger says, "I said I'd die for you," and she says, "No, you didn't. You said you'd die with me because you had nothing better you had to nothing do. Nothing better to do. Absolutely." 
which is an important distinction, but probably one that she hasn't really made before. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not out loud. I, mm. I think Bridget's a thinker. Oh, yeah. But, but Ginger's very much a doer and is very charismatic and very, like, carry you along and come yeah. up with a scheme and you'll be in. And Whereas I feel like some of that evening's activities have led Bridget to reevaluate her situation a little. Yes. And it's, it's, it is sad. It is achingly sad because... It's a breakdown of, of that bond, right? And it's a rejection True. of that pact. Yeah. And I mean, I've definitely had relationships like that in my life where we've been bonded in misery and then one of us gets happy and it's like, oh, no. Yeah. Well, no. Part of this, again, is the allegory of like entering puberty and yeah. growing up and putting aside these childish things. Of like, <laughs> I don't mean that wanting to die with each other is a childish thing, although, of course, in some ways it is. It's a deeply teenage yeah, yeah, of course. attitude. Uh, however... Pam has started digging and has made a discovery. Yeah. She then gets in her car and we get one of those get in the van <laughs> moments. She picks Bridget up on her way to the Halloween party. And she's got the Tupperware with the fingers in it. With, in the van with her. <laughs> yeah. Again, Bridget's face is wonderful. That kind of realisation of like mum knows mm -hmm. and we're in real poop. But then mum has, to me, in this film, mum has big Kathy Bates in Misery vibes. <laughs> Not the same level of disturbing, but definitely in that wheelhouse. She could very easily turn up in a double denim number, you know, including dungarees. And you wouldn't think twice. She could tell you she used to be a nurse. You'd believe it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it is, like, in this sequence here that we find out that Pam is... Bananas. Bananas, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Pam is bananas. So her... Again, she is running through with poor Bridget, who is, what, 14 in this? Yeah, 14, 15, about, about right. to be 15. Oh, no, because she's, yeah, she's 14 because she's younger than Ginger. Ginger. Who's just turned 15. Hasn't she? Or she's about she to. She might be coming up to 16, I can't remember. Bridget skipped a year because she's clever and because she yes. wanted to be with her sister, right? She's yeah. obviously been manipulated into it. Even if she didn't want to be with her, Ginger would be like, well, I can't go up without you, yeah. so you're going to skip it. You're going to skip it. And also, uh, you're right, she's a thinker. She's, she's, she's clever. smart. She gets all this stuff. She takes it all in. So mum's come up with a plan in the time it took to find the dead body of a teenager <laughs> and drive to pick her daughter up. She's come up with this idea to fill the house with gas and light a match. Yeah, going to torch the house. And we'll be miles away. It's very much the same sort of plan her daughter comes up with. Just Literally with the same. A lot more burning. Your father will blame me. He usually does. They'll all blame they all, me. Yeah, they'll all blame me. I mean, and then Bridget having to turn to adult in that moment and say, this is not your fault, mum. Yeah. Is just a horror moment. Like it's an actual true horror. Yeah. <laughs> true horror moment. Now you've done a terrible thing but you're still my girls. Something yeah, like that. It's, yeah. yeah. And it's just like, okay. Yeah, Whoa. don't worry about the fact that that is someone else's girl. Yeah, yeah. Just... And they didn't even murder her. I know they would have trouble convincing a court of this. but True, but I mean, one autopsy would reveal a blunt trauma that matches the weird bloodstains. Yeah, the back of the bling. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, flashing them wolf boobies is what uh, Ginger's busy doing. Yeah, she gets her wonderful, like, goth queen babe entrance to the party where she strides in and strides mm -hmm. down the hall 
Yeah, and they're like, cool costume. Yeah. And like she makes out with the first person she sees, but somehow she makes out with them in like that those prosthetics, which must have been yeah. tricky to get a good shot. Yeah, eight hours in makeup, I believe, for the for her final wow. wolf makeup. So she continues to change through the evening. Yeah. For the last one's where it's her, because it's somebody else playing the wolf creature. Interesting. I did wonder. I was going to ask. It's the same person who is the beast at the beginning when it attacks yeah. Ginger is the same person doing the work where it's a man in costume yeah. for the beast monster. Nick Nolan. Great name. Is the creature and what's credited as Ginger Wolf, which is nice. Yeah. Um, Ginger Wolf. Ginger Wolf. And he's a stuntman, usually, which makes sense. Oh, okay. Yeah, worked on Resident Evil and Land of the Dead and Dawn of the Dead. Some fairly, fairly big films, you know. Yeah. He's in the costume, but when it is ginger, it was a very long makeup day for it. Yeah, and you said as well that when she was covered in blood, she went to the shops. Yeah, she went at some point. I don't know when. Yeah, at some point during the film, she hadn't taken the blood makeup off, and she went to the shops at the end of the day's filming or to get lunch or something. Sort of forgetting you would. Yeah, and uh, because yeah, you were working. You know, it was a six-week shoot, I think. Six weeks to film this whole thing. It's amazing. Anyway, go on. Gave the cashier quite a turn, which is good. That's what you want. That means the makeup's working. It's working. working. Yeah. Although, yes, perhaps not what you want if you're a working in a sandwich shop no it's a bit like all the reports this is a bit of a sidetrack but danny boyle filming 28 days later the cleanup crew had multiple reports all over the country of body parts being found on main roads because they had so many zombie prosthetics that they would just fill the back of a pickup truck um, wow. And they were falling off the back of the truck oh, and being repeatedly found. God, limbs, imagine if you're not a corpse, but like limbs bits. and things, just bits of body. And you're out for a walk on a country road. Yeah. And you're like, I have to call the police now. So the police were just like, they ended up escorting them because, right, because they were just yeah. endlessly falling, which is so funny. They also donated. I mean, we might cover we might cover this film, but they donated. So it'll be a good show. Yeah, they donated a full zombie prosthetic to a cafe that still has a two-year waiting list to sit with the zombie. (laughs) It was the cafe that did all the catering when they were filming in that area. Yeah, so it's basically made them loaded for life. Oh, marvellous. Lovely. Anyway, yes, sign of good prosthetics that Mm. people call the police on it, I think. Oh, yeah, so she doesn't like being rejected by Sam. Ginger tries to climb all over Sam and have a sexy time with him. Mainly because she believes he's shown interest in Bridget. Yeah. And I will say as well, like part of the reason for killing the janitor was this strange made up thing of like, I don't like how he looks at you. And that wasn't true either. So Ginger's no. just making up strange kind of wolfy narrative. It is that jealousy undercurrent, I it think. It is. Yeah, I think so coming too. Coming through here. So she tries to kind of mark her territory with Sam and then he ends up with a broken arm. Yeah. And it paralyzes him completely. Well, I mean, he which wasn't is usually ex- the girl's role, by the way. Ah, uh, good point. She twists an ankle. She's out for the count. Yeah. Like <laughs> never walk again <laughs> in these films. You know, oh, I can't possibly move. I've broken a nail. But yes, here we have him um, being unable to help with a properly broken arm. It would be very painful. She really did just snap it in half, yeah. basically. And then forced blood swap. Yeah, this is Bridget's plan. Well, this yeah. is Bridget's idea. Uh, to the horror of Sam. Yes. But well, sisters have always been together, together in everything. We can be together in this. Yeah. Uh, so the old uh, blood brothers thing. Yeah. Of cut your blood palm. pact. Yeah. Yeah. But in it. this case, it's to share the fluids to make Bridget a wolf as well. Yeah. Or to infect her as well. This next bit. It's not actually funny, but it is an interesting thing that never happens in horror films, where often 
everybody has an idea of the plan in a horror film, even if they've never discussed it. Um, <laughs> but in this case, Sam finally gets up and just takes a spade to Ginger's face. Yeah. Just as Bridget has got Ginger to come with her. Yeah. Just as she's like, I'll get her back in the car. We'll get her home or something. Sam has missed all of that bit of the plan and just smashed Well, she her. never told him. No, of course like, not. <laughs> she wouldn't need to. And also, like, uh-huh. when she last saw Sam, he was on the floor clutching his arm. Yeah. She wouldn't have even imagined he would take a spade to her. But smacks her in the face with a spade. And then there's this lovely moment. They could have left it there with her going, no. But it's Bridget explaining the plan to him once Ginger's unconscious. Yeah. Being like, that was, was the only way to get her home. What have you done? Yeah, and I also like that Sam here is like, oh yeah, it's a good point, yeah, good plan. Yeah, it would have been a good plan. <laughs> How was I meant to know that he yeah. even says it? Yeah, uh, yeah, he's got a point. But they left Pam at the party. Yeah, well, Pam, after saying go and get your sister and leaving her about 30 seconds, Pam just charges into the party with a, holding a Tupperware with two human fingers in it. Yeah. She takes the Tupperware with her. Yeah. Well, it's Halloween. No one's going to... I suppose. Yeah, good point. Yeah, she just... In fact, she looks like she's in the costume of a psychotic mother. Yeah. With two fingers in Tupperware. Perfect. Perfect. I feel like there's a deleted scene there somewhere where she's either getting high... (laughs) Yeah. Like... Yeah, because we just... We don't see her again. We never see her again. Never see her again. (laughs) She's either getting high or, like, frantically looking for her daughters all night. Ginger's boots. So we hmm. we watch some freaky transformation stuff. If you can look past the amazing transformation prosthetics, you get to see some gorgeous lace all the way up Victorian style two thousands boots. Hmm. Um, and the transformation scene is well done. I've made yeah. a note to that effect. It's a famous thing in your werewolf films, right? You know your transformation yeah. scene and and what is it? it? American Werewolf in Paris. That's the, the iconic famous one, one with mm-hmm. the yeah. And uh, but then there's a fair number as well where they sort of fall down behind a rock and then they get up and they're a werewolf, you know. I love them. I love, <laughs> I really like it as a genre. Yeah, go on. This is quite nicely done. And again, it's a lot of it is in shadow and in darkness, but yeah. not not so much that you feel cheated. It's also super gross, especially when oh, you yes. realise that none of it is CG. Mm. Some of it will be stop motion, but a lot of it will be very specific bits of animatronics. So like getting a latex skin if you like and having a robotic piece move under it yeah. to make flesh look like it's moving it's really interesting i imagine that was where any of the money went that that kind of tech jump scare made ben jump i've written jump scare made ben jump yes it did is this when they get back and they open the yeah. van sam rightly says that ginger's riding in the back yeah <laughs> and then when they get back and open the door there's a moment of quiet and silence and then a big bang while yeah. a wolf creature that used to be leaps Ginger, out. leaps out and runs into the house. Yes. Now, when they get back to the house, is there like a plot reason why they don't just turn all the lights on? Oh. Because you know how they're going around the house with torches? Yes. Oh, I imagine it's so that Ginger doesn't know where they are. Right. You can't turn every light on in the house. No, it's you? true. You turn the light on in the hall, you go and through the next And they'll know where room. you are. Yeah. yeah. But possibly not. I mean, where's Dad, is what I've written. Once again, Dad is completely absent That's with true. no reasoning, yeah. particularly. He obviously hasn't also found the body. I imagine the mum has covered it up. Yeah. He's completely blissfully unaware of everything that's happening in this film. And she said, <laughs> stay in your own little world. Yeah. I told him to. So maybe he has. There are also these adorable little pumpkin fairy lights everywhere that I need. <laughs> But one of my favourite bits of this whole scene, and it's I've got a page and a half of notes here to go, and it's a long ending, Yeah. in a way. It's sort of ending for a long time. 
But one of my favourite things is they're creeping through the house with this tension. And it's Bridget and Sam just creeping through the house. They know there's a monster in the house. They're only doing it all by torchlight, which is already tense. And then one of them goes, let's do this faster. And the other <laughs> one's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why are we creeping like this? We need to, we need to get this done. Because what, what they're trying to do is make more of the aconite injection. Yes. Because, well, they both need it, actually, because um, yeah. Bridget has now been infected herself. Yeah, they make it with vodka from the cupboard, and they even make the joke of it not being very sanitary, that he rips the filter out of a cigarette and uses that as the kind of cotton wool bud to get the needle full. It's yeah. really interesting. Nice use of prop, I think. Yeah. And making it all look a little bit like they have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> They've got a few at this point, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> yep. So really lovely moment where we think that Bridget's not going to let him go out there because they're mm-hmm. in a store cupboard making this stuff, clearly trapped by the wolf version of Ginger. Yep. Sam convinces her to let him go out. They'll do a distraction technique where he goes out with the antidote, yep, to the lure her into the living room and go for it. And they're like, OK, fine. One, two, three, go. And immediately he's just snatched uh, away. Torn to pieces. That's the most effective killing, if you'd like, yes. for me, that one where we, it's mostly done with sound yep. and the, the door blood, opening and closing blood of blood. Door, and, which is a classic. Yeah. And we get flashes of the creature, but again, in, in low light, it's the Hitchcock yeah. thing, right? Of yeah. the, it's what you think you see. And what you imagine much worse. is much worse than what they could show you. Yeah, and Sam's blood is really everywhere. By the time Bridget... Fair enough, again, she's super brave, super clever. She's also still believing it's her sister, so there's an element of bravery added for that. But she's off to find what happened to Sam when she gets out of the cupboard, and she's off to find the needle again. Yeah. But she is starting to feel rough because she has been infected. Mm-hmm. So she's starting to get shaky and a bit fainty. And even though she's following a blood trail... <laughs> yeah, she I guess does... yeah, plenty of blood. Like you, you can tell where Sam's gone because you just have to follow the big red streak all the way along the yeah. floor. Yeah, and she drops the medicine. She faints against a wall and drops the medicine behind the stairs, but then carries on anyway because she's following Sam's blood. When she catches up with Sam, he's like a deer. You know when deer go into shock and they do that breathing? Yeah. They've had their neck bitten by a lion or something. A yeah. gazelle rather than a deer. But like they've had <laughs> yes, their neck bitten yeah. and they do that kind of... <laughs> he's doing that in a pile of blood. Yeah, he's not in a good way. No. It frightens me more that even though he's in shock, he's with it enough to turn and look at Bridget when she speaks. Mm-hmm. So he's aware and he's conscious and watching yeah. all this horrible nightmare. Which means with Bridget attempts to eat him he's watching her do that he's yeah. watching her eat his blood and share with ginger again just trying to do what ginger's doing and i think it's a coping thing i think it's to get ginger on side i don't yes. think it's because she was tempted by blood yeah it's just trying to diffuse the situation yeah and, but it, it also if the ginger creature sees bridget as like her the creature might not attack bridget yeah and uh, it goes wrong when she pukes it up yeah but but of course the puking it up is an, is that final rejection of being in her sister's shadow and being yeah. like her sister and following her sister and everything yeah it's that little spark of independence if you'd like which probably saves her life yeah such i as mean it is. i was i asked you at the time do you think it's corn syrup they made reference to it being corn syrup i think it probably is yeah but it's quite graphic and gross yeah uh, Bridget does tell the wolf to F off like it's her sister again. Yeah. It's really two sisters fighting is the way that sometimes Bridget out of habit is responding to this wolf creature even though clearly she's long gone. Bridget did mention earlier in the film that she wanted to lock herself in her room and wait it out which was her talking about growing up. 
Right. So then at the very end, she gets to wait out her sister. Yeah, because we end up back in their... In their bedroom. In their bedroom, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's where Bridget starts screaming, I'm not going to die here with you. Yes. That's a really nice point, because I took that as a call back to the opening scene where they're in that room yeah again talking about their suicides yes and it's then we end in that room talking about their death yeah well actually that's a good point because i didn't think of that at the time one of the things that ginger says is you should hang ginger gets to think of all her own death ways but then she'll put one on to bridget yeah bridget's response is then i don't want everyone laughing at me but that's really interesting anyway amazing animatronics really fascinating so I was looking for information on what the beast noises are mm-hmm. that make up the actual wolf noises. I couldn't find anything. So I assume it's one of those nice amalgamations where they're like little bit of elephant, little <laughs> bit of motor car, you know. Yeah. But it uh, is otherworldly. Yeah, the sound design is very good generally, not just those it is. sounds. But... It is. They didn't predict this death, did they? Bridget stabs her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yes. Well, it's not a fudge, but it, there is an element of... It's almost accidental. Yes. In the way that it happens. She falls on the she knife. She falls on, yeah, yeah. officer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the, um, the wolf falls on the knife. Yeah. Um, I will say, they kept her boobs, which is interesting. Yeah. In the way that they, the other guy had found a penis, they did keep her boobs in. So it is like a proper stabbing a female in the womb. Yeah. It is in the womb area that yeah. she gets stabbed. She bleeds from the womb. It's quite sledgehammer <laughs> there. But then Bridget comforts her sister. And she sister does is, as she's dying. As she's dying. She does go over to her, yes. Holds her. The camera goes past all of their Polaroids on the walls. It does, and it's really sad. Like, it, it really looks like a potential placebo video. You know, it's got blood tears <laughs> in some of them. And this is before she goes over to comfort her, in fact. She's yeah. looking sort of in shock at this wolf that's still sort of half breathing Yeah. and growling to itself. And the camera pans, and it actually sees photos of them both just being teenagers not playing in blood and not yeah. being silly they are just being teenage sisters in some of these polaroids yeah she goes over to to hold this wolf as it dies mm. um and it's really sad and then it's just cue cello you know yeah because we know that she's about to turn as of well. course yeah she's uh, she's infected herself yeah yeah she has the antidote still somewhere though yes it's around. that's around yeah, they, that's it got true. knocked out of her hands but it's around I mean, they've wrecked the house. I don't know what the parents are going to say, but I guess they'll just <laughs> fill it with gas and set fire. So, uh, it's got a wolf corpse in it that now. Seems you might to be as well the take plan. it all, to, to yeah. all together. Yeah. Yeah. So you asked earlier sort of what happened to the dad. Yeah. Again, he's not really mentioned in, in Pam's plan in the van. No, it was just he'll think it's my fault and he'll go along with he'll it. He'll go along with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> very, very strange. I, I found the ending very disheartening i found the ending very bleak very hopeless yeah but but yeah it's an extraordinarily well put together film i felt like the traditional thing to do is to vanquish the werewolf and you get the person back this is what they're referencing with the morality tale yeah the morality being the villain if you like sure uh because often you will silver bullet it and you get a chance to look at your lover or look at the person they were. And you don't. You've killed an animal. Yeah. That was turned into an animal, yeah. not by choice. That was forced to turn into an animal mm-hmm. and then taken from you. She didn't kill herself as she was intending to. No. Bridget could have done had they not developed a cure. Mm-hmm. They do just have the body of Sam floating around. Although I've 
heard there's fan fiction that where <laughs> Sam survived the bite and goes on to live as a wolf man. There's always fan fiction. Well, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of sequels to this. I mean, they yeah. don't feature him, but weirdly do feature both of the main actors. Yeah. Uh, return. I haven't seen them. I saw Ginger Snaps Back. Yeah. Years and years and years ago. And I don't think I was impressed or I would have seen it more. <laughs> uh, but I've watched Ginger Snaps a lot. But it has had a an afterlife, right? Not just the fact that we are talking about it now. It had quite a long production. Not Well, it was a very short production. Six, six weeks, weeks production. Short, but it was six weeks production at the end of 1999. And then it went around the film festivals a little bit. It won a jury prize award at the mm. Toronto Film Festival. And it took quite a bit of time for it to pick up distribution. So it was released in the UK in 2001. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, about 18 months after they uh, shot it. I did read on the IMDb, so citation needed, but a couple of cinemas in the UK banned it at the time Yes. for uh, for all of that teen suicide stuff. And uh, But I wasn't able to source that. I wasn't able to find any news reports from then. I've, I've just got the report with, with no citation on it. But certainly... It had a little bit of trouble in the US gaining distribution because of the school shootings. Yeah, it was dangerously close to the Columbine murders and the like, you know, yes. first beginning, first yeah. coming out. But it, it was a word of mouth mm. success and its reputation grew. And then when it was released on DVD and, and probably video, I and, think video, uh, video then, as yeah, well yeah. at the time, it was a hit yeah. through that. And I did read doing the research for this that. As of last October, mm. it had been picked up for for development into a television series. Yeah, I mean, the sequels only exist because it got such a cult following. That um, makes sense. And it was pushed through by the fans, if you like. Yeah. So it makes sense that that cult following would continue enough. And also with the resurgence of witchy things being popular, the kind of prequel, sequel, not quite the same, the craft. Yeah. You know, we're, we're yeah. bringing all these films Chilling back to Adventures life of Sabrina, I suppose. Absolutely, is... as a definite one where you're just updating a kind of a classic, but also something terrible, but also something that existed before uh, Melissa Joan Hart, Melissa, before the yeah. Melissa Joan Hart uh, 90s number. Yeah. I Obviously suppose. it was an Archie comic. Yes, thing. yeah, yeah. But still, yeah, this, this witchy, spooky-ooky revival, <laughs> which I'm absolutely mega loving, by the way, means that we're going to start getting a lot of these things coming back and yeah. being remade and being rejigged. I don't mind it, but when it's the real classics, I feel like they should leave them be, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It remains, you know, 20 years on, it remains a fairly interesting mm -hmm. werewolf take, I think. it's I think. great. I it's think great. it works, I think it's interesting, I think... It's an unusual subversion of a lot of tropes. It's very well done, you know, the, the cast are all uniformly very good. I don't think yeah. there's a, a really weak link. Weirdly, just to throw in the last bit of trivia I wasn't able to use earlier, <laughs> that's uh, Lucy Lawless as the school's PA system. <laughs> an uncredited Xena warrior princess. <laughs> I don't know how or why that came about. No, she was a busy bee for that, yeah. I would have said. Yeah, but, but it, would, you know, it wouldn't have taken very long just to record. <laughs> Will the Fitzgerald sisters please come to the principal's office now? Yeah, get, her in a, yeah. get her in a booth, do, do that. Get her over the phone. Yeah. 20 minutes. Righto, I think that's us. I think that is us, yeah. Fabulous. Thank you very much for listening. Next week we will be watching Phantom Carriage. What year is that from? It's from 1921. We're, I thought we'd go all the way back. You know, given that we've got all of cinema history yeah. to choose from, I thought we'd go to 100 years ago, Victor Shostrom's Phantom Carriage, which is Swedish. Okay. 
I hope it is Swedish now. <laughs> I that. think it is. I, I think, think you've it told is. me before. Scandinavian, certainly. Um, one of Ingmar Bergman's favourite films. Can people get hold of it? People can get hold of it. It is out of print in the UK on home media, but thankfully it is on YouTube. Woohoo! Uh, That's free. <laughs> because it's because it's so old. Yeah. Uh, it, it has now fallen out of, out of copyright. There are a few versions of varying quality, but there's at least a couple up there Lovely. that are um, very good. Of course, it's silent. Um, and black and white tinted but I love silent cinema so I was always going to try and cover some of it and my hope is that somebody who hadn't thought about it might just be tempted yeah it's it's out there and it is a wonderful period a short period of the history of cinema but in that decade if you'd like of Mm -hmm. of the 1920s there's a a whole bunch of stuff that was developed, that was invented, that was done for the first time here, which is part of the grammar and fabric of modern cinema. Yeah. You know, certainly the descendants of these things and some of the techniques and some of the ideas that are developed in the silent era are still at play even when we're ever allowed to go back to the cinema again. You know, anything that you see now it all has its roots in the 1920s. Yeah. Perfect. If you <laughs> would like to get in touch with us, you can do so via our email address. It is hauntedpicturepalace at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media and keep an eye on when the latest episodes are out, we are available on Instagram at haunted underscore picture underscore palace. <laughs> We're always excited to hear your comments. Please subscribe to us on wherever you get your podcast from. We're producing new episodes every week. We are. Thank you for listening to this one. And we'll see you again soon. Don't have nightmares. (laughs) Bye. Oh, bye. Oh, bye. Bye, bye. (coughs) Right. Now we start. Now we started. It's serious. Jesus, you really made that spike. Yeah. Ging gang gooly 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 watch up, Ging gang goo, ging gang goo. I bet that's racist. Is it? It's a comedy cla no it's not. It's a horror classic. <laughs>